this baby girl has quit her job. This episode is brought to you by Black Girl Tech. Black Girl Tech is a non-profit that aims to help diversify the tech industry by encouraging more black women and non-binary people to learn and explore technology. Check out Black Girl Tech on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Black Girl Tech and online at blackgirl.tech. Thanks for joining me again. I just want to say thank you to everybody who listened to the first episode. Um... It was really, really nice to receive such a warm welcome and it was nice to know that so many people enjoyed it and found it beneficial. If you've heard um, my intro, which you probably have, and you've read the title of this episode, which you probably have, you would know that I quit my job. If you've been following me on my personal Twitter account, then you also know that I quit my job. I quit my job about four, three, four weeks ago. It's been a while since I quit and it's also the reason why I haven't recorded because I'm just literally taking a minute to myself to recoup, to just like figure things out, what I'm going to do next, what's happening and just digest everything. Um, The last, I would say the last five months have been a lot. They have been a whole hell of a lot Um, and it's just been a lot to just kind of rest from I'm not going to go into too much detail about what happened at that job I just kind of want to put it behind me now um but I will say that everything that glitters is not gold that saying just rings true um and a lot of these companies that you know promote empathy and like are super tech for good and da 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 you know they're not always what they seem um and I think they work for some people and they do not work for others and it did not work for me um and I can't really pinpoint why I have I have my theories um but still you know but today's episode our main topic is going to be looking at red flags and how to know to quit your job how to know when it's time to leave um and then I don't mean like, you know, resignation and I mean like quit. You've had enough, you're out. Um, that would be my main topic. And then in the source, we're going to be talking about object-oriented programming and doing a shallow dive of what is object-oriented programming. I'm going to talk about um, the key principles and what they are. And yeah, that'll be this episode. So getting right into it, I quit my job. Um, my official last day was the 10th of December. Um, it is currently the what 18th of December, so about a week ago now. Um, but I had stopped working before then. And I've had a little bit of time to think things through, to kind of look back on the situation. And I have put together just like a list of things, red flags of when to know to quit. And also what to do, like what should your process be, or at least what was my process. And also I'll talk a little bit about what, what I'm doing next, what's next for me. Um, so let's get into red flags. But actually, before I get into that, I want to say, preface this by saying quitting your job is really a luxury. It's a privilege. Not everybody has 
the privilege of being able to just quit to being able to just walk away and I am going to talk a little bit later about finances and you know lining things up for yourself but at the end of the day realistically not everybody can quit I was beneficial enough to be able to be in a position where I could quit I had some money saved up so I have you know a few months worth of living expenses saved up so I know I'm good for a little while um, and I'm not going to be like rushing for another job or scraping and scrounging or worried and like sleepless nights about what's next finance wise um so I just wanted to put that out there not everybody can quit and that's really unfortunate but if you can quit then this is for you so first things first red flags um you know you're not mad and by say when I say you're not mad I mean that you're not imagining things like a lot of how you feel is not imagined especially in a work environment you feel the way you feel for some reasons and there are the reasons you feel that way because of how people make you feel and a lot of the time it is kind of like microaggression-y sometimes it can be macro it can be just outright you know targeting but a lot of the time it's more insidious it's more kind of like gaslighting and making you wonder like oh maybe this is me maybe it's just all in my head it is not in your head so the first red flag I'm going to talk about is moving goalposts something that happened at this last job I was at quite frequently was I would so for example when I started a job um, I didn't know any of the programming languages um, and also because you know when you're new to the job you can't you don't really have context of how the company works you still have to kind of learn that um so your first few weeks on the job you kind of have to figure out how people pick things up how difficult a task is versus another task and things like that you only have context um so for the first few weeks I was assigned work um and I was told the work I was assigned wasn't really ideal just not because I couldn't do it or whatever it was their fault it just wasn't ideal because a lot of it was based on external things like Facebook and waiting for Facebook to get in touch with us and stuff like that. And so I was told to do something else. I was doing that thing and then I was told that thing was the wrong thing to do. So they moved a goalpost. They said, do this. I did it. And they said, oh, actually, no, you're doing the wrong thing. Do this instead. I did that. And then again, was told, actually, no, you're doing the wrong thing do this instead and this happened a lot so this moving of the goalposts right and a tangible example of that is we had um six week sprints and then in between your six weeks you had two weeks where you're kind of just like working on whatever you want to work on and that two weeks I suggested working on something was my first two weeks um I suggested working on something and my role buddy the person who's supposed to kind of be my guide was like you should work on that. That is a really good idea. You should work on that. When I spoke to my manager, my manager said to me, actually, no, I don't think that's actually a good idea. Don't work on that. So I was like, cool, I won't work on that. And then maybe a few hours later, my manager came back to me. I was like, actually, you can work on that. Um, I shouldn't have come in to what you and your role buddy had decided. It's like, fine, I'll work on that. Then I got feedback, um, constructive feedback saying working on that was the wrong thing and it showed that I did not know how to prioritise the um, 
tasks of the team. And so for me, that was moving of the goalposts. I had spoken about it. It was my first two weeks. I didn't really know what was suitable, what was not. Um, and I pitched it and I was expecting a, yes, that's a good idea. No, that's not a good idea. And kind of move from there. And then during that time, I was just told various different things, you know, and then to get quote unquote constructive feedback that I do not know how to prioritize the team was a bit of a shock. That's moving of the goalposts. That's saying one minute saying yes and then saying no to the exact same thing with the exact same context and then, you know, kind of getting feedback for that. Um, so if you feel like people at your place of employment are moving goalposts, they're moving targets. So you're on the way hitting a target and then suddenly it's changed. It's not that target anymore. That is a red flag. Another one is admitting they did something wrong, but still making you shoulder the blame. So, for example, um, I, in fact, there were numerous times when they didn't give me support I needed to excel on the job. And they would admit it. They would say, yeah, we know we didn't give you support. We're sorry about that. But they wouldn't then give me support. What they would do is say, oh, yeah, we know. But moving on, you're going to do this. And then when I would later be, my performance would later be reviewed, it would be like, oh, you're not really hitting what we expect of you without taking into account that, okay, I'm not hitting that because you haven't provided the support. So they're still making me shoulder the consequences of not having support and take on that blame as well. Like, I'm not hitting the targets. That's true because I haven't been given support, which you should have given me, you know? So if they, even if they're able to admit that they've done something wrong, if they're not able to kind of rectify that and to provide support that is not in detriment to you, then that's a problem. That's a red flag. The only way that this company said they could provide support to me was to demote me. Um, despite the fact that they hadn't provided the initial support I required anyway. The only way they said that they could provide support was to demote me. Um, they wanted to keep my pay the same, but just demote my level, like my role. Um, and that's a red flag. Another thing is vague requirements. If they're not specific about what they require of you, that is a big, big, big problem um because they will always be able to do things like move the goalposts and they will always be able to say that you're not meeting their expectations because the requirements are vague and are open to interpretation by literally anybody right so how can you really like they can always manipulate it and change it to suit them um, an example of that is um, I was always told that I'm looking for rules. I'm looking for like a set of rules of like do's and don'ts. They didn't want me to have do's and don'ts. They wanted me to um, like investigate, like why is this okay here? Why is this okay there? Why is this, you know, doing all of that? And I think that's, it's weird for a company to say they don't have rules in my opinion. It's weird for a company to say they don't have do's and don'ts, especially when they clearly do. 
I was being reprimanded for things I was doing, which means you have a way of doing things, which means you have a set of rules. Um, you have a way of the way things work here, which is fine. Just let me know what they are. But I was kept being told that I care to, well, not care, but like I want rules too much and I'm not like, I'm not curious enough. Um, and if you know me, you'll know I am very curious. So that was always weird to hear because that's contrary to any feedback I've ever gotten in my like life since school. <laughs> so, you know, for me, those vague requirements of like be curious, it's like, okay, when I am curious, you say it's not the kind of curiosity you wanted or whatever. Like, you know, because it's vague, they'll always be able to manipulate it to suit them. Nitpicking. Nitpicking is like a really easy way to get on people's nerves. Um, because I had brought some things up with my manager, I was also under a microscope, which meant that any time I made a mistake, no matter how small or how big, no matter if other people had made the same mistake or similar mistakes, no matter if other people had asked the same kind of questions, I was the only one that was targeted for it. So I was nit like it was like nitpicked, nitpicked. I remember one time um I had asked the question about something that had already been discussed in the meeting I just asked a clarifying question um and then I was told that uh feedback I got from a manager is like you know that question would have was we already discussed that so the fact that I was asking again kind of like I don't know maybe it showed I wasn't listening or something and then I remember we went to Lisbon and somebody asked exactly the same question and they didn't well, I'm assuming they didn't. Maybe they did receive the same feedback, but definitely wasn't approached in the same way. Everybody was, you know, lovely and welcome to explain it to them. And I realized that they had been facing similar problems to me, but maybe hadn't been voicing it as much as I have. And the only reason th I was voicing it as much as I did is because the company wanted to create this environment of, oh, this is, you know, a learning environment. We want you to ask questions. We want you to grow. We want you to explore, blah, 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 blah. So I had been asking questions and I realized other people were not asking questions in the same way, which meant they were stuck on problems for longer than I was. And it meant that it looked like they were, I don't know, making more progress than I was because they weren't asking as much questions. It looked like maybe they knew more. Well, I don't know. Um, you know, so nitpicking in that way and also another example is um there was a document it was a very general document that could be applied to any team in my opinion it could have been applied to any team and so it was like a when you go away on vacation you give this document to your team and they can just fill it up with like key things you've missed so maybe a link to a video call you missed or you know whatever just key things if any big thing changes just drop it in that doc so I asked my role body to like help me fill out the doc um and I got feedback that that was the wrong thing to do because in engineering you're expected to be responsible responsible for your own work blah 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 and I think that's fine um but the feedback I got was you know why did I even think the doc was a good idea so nitpicking things like that, because at the end of the day, it's just a doc. Like if you fill it out, you don't fill it out, fine. I'll just go on Slack or whatever to figure things out. But the fact that I had even asked was a problem. And so that kind of nitpicking every little thing. Um, If work is causing mood changes, like 
outside of work if you're feeling more depressed if you're feeling more upset anxious angry outside of work whenever you think about work that's a problem I went on vacation I keep saying vacation because I'm I'm currently in Detroit and they don't know what annual leave or holiday is over here so I went on vacation um for a week it was my first vacation I went on vacation for a week in November and a day into my holiday I was dreading going back to work and there was only one day it was day one and I was like oh I, I just don't want to go back into work I don't want to do it and you know other things were like I would see my manager's name pop up in my inbox and I'll just kind of like have a mini attack and it was just like a lot causing these mood changes and it just wasn't nice I'd be exhausted and depleted at the end of the day wouldn't want to talk to anybody wouldn't want to you know be around anybody because I'm just like tapped out that's a problem (laughs) and the final one is your sleep so it's really important to listen to your body while you're in these kind of environments uh, because Although you may think you're handling it, your body will tell you if you're handling it or you're not handling it. Like your physical body will tell you. I'm not going to go into the gory details of everything that happened to me during that time. But my body shouted at me loud and clear. One of the things was that I wasn't sleeping properly. Either it'll be really difficult to go to sleep because I'm thinking about work. Or when I did go to sleep, I would have dreams about being in meetings with my manager and her manager and you know like it wouldn't be like I was actually asleep or wouldn't even be like I rested because I'm working throughout the whole day and then I'm dreaming about working during the whole night so it was really affecting my sleep and my body and those are the main red flags so moving goalposts admitting they did something wrong but still making sure they're the blame vague requirements nitpicking when work is causing mood changes and your physical body's response and so you're not sleeping well or any other stress responses those are red flags those are problems that's when you know that okay this environment is not healthy maybe I should start looking elsewhere so what do you do what do you do in those situations well the first thing you do is you need to exhaust your options at work it could possibly be that they don't even know they're doing this stuff and you can bring it up in a polite way. I called a few, quite a few meetings with my manager. And I always brought in, well, not always, but most of the time, I no, one of the key meetings, I had a neutral person there. So someone who wasn't on my side, wasn't on my manager's side, just a neutral person to just listen in. They didn't necessarily talk or interject, to just listen and make sure the conversation was going in a productive direction. And that really helped. Um, me to just know I had someone there who you know isn't on anybody's side is a neutral party Um, and then yeah I called a lot of meetings with my manager and her manager and you know whoever I needed to talk to I made sure I did voice all most of my concerns um, and let them kind of do what they will with that Um, that way they can't say I didn't they didn't know I didn't say you know you give people the chance to rectify their wrongs I gave them the chance to rectify their wrongs and they didn't so the next step not even the next step but another step is to take some time off to think things through in inadvertently I'd already booked this 
you know, week vacation a while ago. So it came at a nice time where I could just kind of like rest a little bit and think things through. It could be possible that, you know, things at work are just busy, hectic. Everyone's in a bad mood for whatever reason. Maybe you've got a deadline coming up or whatever. And, you know, this is not how it is normally. So you take a you take a break, take some time off to rest and really just think things through and plan. What's your next move? Are you going to stay? If you stay, what needs to change? Um, how are you going to go about changing things? Who do you need to talk to to change things? If you're going, do you have enough money, which we'll come to in a minute? Um, do you have a job lined up? You know, what is your next move? Just taking that time away from work to just think things through and key to rest. Um, I took a week off vacation and then when I got back um, my doctors collectively gave me three weeks off so I had about four weeks to really well I didn't start thinking about leaving in that vacation I started thinking about leaving when the doctors gave me the time off but you know that three weeks just really gave me time to think things through and halfway through that three weeks is when I quit. Um, Talk to people you trust so during this whole process I was talking to people outside of the company who were also kind of like in the industry. So I have um, Luke, who's my mentor. I was talking to him quite a bit and he advised me on what to do, who to talk to, how to go about things. Um, and I spoke to my mom, of course, who was obviously more protective and more defensive than like Luke. Um, but it was also good to kind of hear her because, you know, she's a big woman. She's been in employment for most of her life now and she's worked with various different kinds of employers so you know she has professional experience and I spoke to my friends as well just to kind of like vent and having that support system around me really 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 helped I wasn't alone I didn't feel like I was alone I felt valued I felt like I you know all the imposter syndrome I had at that job kind of like my mentor and my friends and my mom and less friends in the industry and out of the industry were able to kind of be like no you know you're valuable you're wanted you're loved your your thoughts are important you know your work is good like you know just like feeding positivity into me and that really 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 helps to talk to people you trust um and you know try and get some advice if you don't have any mentors in your industry you know google see what other people's experiences are how to handle these things it may be problems that are specific to your industry um and so google search online twitter for these things and then try and figure out your finances and your next steps i thought that i could hold out to the end of december that was a joke absolute joke mate because as I said a week and a half or so into my um, time off that the doctors gave I was just like nah I can't do this I really really can't do this Um, but I knew I did have some money um, saved up that I could use for um, my salary for a few months so that was beneficial to me Um, if you don't have that try I would really recommend taking some time out to rest but also just try and start thinking about what's your next step what jobs are you applying for what's the market like at the moment if you can stay in your current position for as long as possible so you can save or get money and then bounce cool if you can't that's also fine but just try and like build your connection so like for example I put out a tweet that basically said I've quit my job I'm looking for a new one here are my skills who's hiring and, you know, a bunch of people are like, I'm hiring, I'm hiring, or here's hiring, there's hiring. I've taken a few 
interviews now I've taken like two interviews didn't get one which is fine um another one they want me but you know we'll see what happens and then I've got I've got a few contracting things lined up so really depend on your network really fall into your network make it clear that you've you're looking for something new if you can't yet make it clear because you don't want your employers to know talk to people in the dms people have hit me up in my dms to be like hey i'm looking for a job do you know anywhere that's hiring talk to people in your dms talk to your network privately and really see what's out there and obviously like search google search who's hiring linkedin and indeed jobs and all these other job boards and stuff see who's hiring so those are my main tips of what to do um, and the red flag so what to do talk to your managers and really exhaust your options at work take some time off to think things through and rest talk to people you trust and try and figure out your finances and next steps so what's next for me well as I said I'm in Detroit at the moment um, and the key thing is I'm resting I am chilling I'm just relaxing I'm recuperating and regenerating like doctor who like i am just making sure i'm coming back to full roller like my full strength um and then i i'm gonna try contracting since i do have some money saved up um i'm really gonna try out this contracting thing um and freelancing thing so i'll take a mixture of different contracts i have a few lined up some are long term um like months and some are short term like days so I'm just trying things out and seeing what's out there for me. I think contracting is the best way that can really get what I want out of life, which is to be able to work from anywhere I want to work and also to be able to go on holiday whenever I want to go on holiday. Um, So that's why I want to do contracting. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. My first contract is actually with Black Girl Tech. Um, Black Girl Tech recently got a large... A nice sum of money. It wasn't like loads. It wasn't like hundreds of thousands. But it was a nice sum of money where I can pay myself to now dedicate time to it properly. And we're doing a whole rebrand so I can actually pay myself to work on this Monday to Friday or Thursday, nine to five proper for at least a month. So that's really, really, really good. Um, And then we'll see where things go from there. A few other things I want to work on while I have this time off as well is just upskilling myself and just doing the training that I would have done like on the job. So things like learning about algorithms and learning design principles and really how to design properly because I'm more of a back-end engineer, right? I really want to do that stuff because I think it's important. Now I have the time to, so that is great. source the portion of the show where I talk about something technical and today we're going to be talking about object-oriented programming. Before I get into this I'm just going to say like I didn't know or rather I didn't know what object-oriented programming is because I do it for my job but I didn't really have the language to explain it properly and so a lot of this has come from Google and various articles and stuff that I've read and Wikipedia and stuff so I don't think this has just been sitting in my head like all this time. Um, the language for this has definitely come from other people and other sources um, 
but I think sometimes you know especially in engineering and especially if you come from like a non-traditional background you may learn how to do something before you really know what it is if that makes sense so yeah object-oriented programming otherwise known as OOP is a programming paradigm and it's the idea that you have a collection of objects that hold some kind of data or state and they collaborate by sending messages to each other in the form of methods or sending just messages to an object and that's in the form of a method and so an example would be you have a person object and a person object has some data and that data could be a name age a um, height right and you may have a, a bunch of methods that are associated with that object such as get name or get height for example you send those methods to that object to extract that data or state right um so yeah that's kind of i hope that made sense that's kind of the idea behind object-oriented programming and it can be broken down into a few key principles depending on where you read some places say there are three key principles some places say there are four um wikipedia hosts like lists a bunch more than four key principles but i'm only going to talk about four today and they are encapsulation abstraction inheritance and polymorphism 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 <laughs> So encapsulation is basically putting all the methods and behaviors related to a type of object in one place. And we usually call this a class. So a person object would actually be a person class and everything relating to how a person should behave and what a person is would live in that person class. So the behavior data methods in this class are only in the scope of the class. So a car object or car class does not have access to what's inside of a person class unless you explicitly tell it to you have to explicitly tell it to but it doesn't by default so other classes don't have access to um, each other unless you explicitly tell them to so abstraction is kind of like the next step to encapsulation and abstraction is about keeping things on a need to know basis so only exposing code to the parts of the program that needs to know about it an example would be um so hmm say you have a um, car right and as the end user of the car you just need to be able to open and close the door you just need to be able to um put your key in the in the ignition you don't need to know how the door opens and close, closes. You don't need to know how the engine is started. You don't need to know what, you know, parts make up the engine and all of that kind of stuff. Somebody else has thought about that and put that together. And, you know, you only need to know how to open and close the door, how to put the key into the ignition right so that's abstraction it's about keeping things on a need to know basis and only exposing the um, bits of code to the bits of the program that need to know about it so that's abstraction next we have inheritance and this idea of inheritance is about allowing objects to essentially have parent objects and inherit data or methods from the parent object so back to our person 
class our person object you can have a person which has maybe a name and a age and a height and then maybe you also have a student class which inherits from person so student will also have a name age and height but it may also have other stuff like grades and attendance and um, punctuality right which person doesn't really care about but student does care about and then you may also have um, a pet uh, no, let's not use parent let's use a teacher class that also inherits from person right and a teacher class cares about um what do teachers care about i used to be a teacher i should know this um a teacher class might care about lesson plans and you know stuff like that which a student doesn't care about and a person doesn't care about but a teacher which is a type of person does care about so a teacher will also have a name age and height right and a student will also have a name age and height because they both inherit from a person they are types of i want to say people but in this case i'll say they are types of persons is people <laughs> Um, I hope that made sense. And the last one, polymorphism, which is a little bit more difficult to explain and to understand. Polymorphism is a, can be a bit of a, a doozy. So polymorphism is similar to the idea of inheritance. You have an object and then you have, uh, so let's say you have a shape object, right? You have a, a typical shape object. Shape can have, you can have types of shapes. So you can have a circle, you can have a square. And they are all inherited from shape. So circle is a type of shape. Square is a type of shape. They're all inherited from shape. Let's say shape has a method called draw. Right? That method will also be... Like circle and square will also have that method draw. Now there will be a general thing that draw does which, you know, will be defined in shape. There'll be a general thing that a draw does that will be defined in shape. Now, when you call that method on circle or square, draw would act differently depending on the type you call it on. So it will take the general stuff that's defined in shape and then remix it, usually taking an argument to apply it to circle and to apply it to square so that it behaves properly in each context um i'm not sure that made sense i'm gonna read exactly what i've written well i didn't write this someone else wrote this but objects of type circle and square are derived from a common class called shape the draw function from each type of shape implements what is necessary to draw itself i.e circle or square while calling code can remain indifferent to the particular type of shape is being drawn right so the draw method doesn't really in shape doesn't need to know what what the object is what the shape is but it just needs to know how to draw and then when you implement it in circle or square you kind of inject something that tells it you know draw a circle draw a square whatever i hope that made sense i think that could have been described better but as i said there are online resources to explain these things in a lot more detail and things do get more complex as you dig deeper and deeper and deeper into object-oriented programming um on a like day-to-day -day level these are things you will be using every day pretty much encapsulation is something you use every single day um inheritance is something you probably will use especially if you're using a framework 
you probably will use every day abstraction is just a way you should code it's like a really really good practice to do abstract your data abstract your code into you know on a need to know basis polymorphism um doesn't come up that often but it does come up i i have used it in my you know every day um in my jobs so yeah those are the key principles encapsulation abstraction inheritance and polymorphism and that's essentially what object oriented programming is about it's literally just a way of um storing your your code in a way that says this is an object and really working on the premise of moving objects from one place to another sending messages to objects and you know working in that way so you have as i said a person class and you set a bunch of messages to get data out of that person class there are other ways of programming you can have functional programming which are not at odds with each other you can i think you can do both in the same app for example you can have functional programming you can have other types of programming as well which i may or may not go into because i've not done functional programming before so explaining that might be a little bit harder but we'll see we'll see i'm all for expanding knowledge and learning new things and stuff this episode is brought to you by black girl tech black girl tech is a non-profit that aims to help diversify the tech industry by encouraging more black women and non-binary people to learn and explore technology check out black girl tech on twitter facebook and instagram at black girl tech and online at black tech thank you thank you thank you for listening to this episode um i will be back in two weeks talking about something completely different um who knows i may have a new permanent job i may have given up on this contracting thing or i may be loving it i will let you know enjoy your christmas break if you celebrate christmas if you don't celebrate christmas enjoy the rest of the season's greetings and all of that live it up on new year's and i will see you in 2019 bye